Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. It's great to have your company. The Camino Santiago is my way of trying to figure out how to do something a little bit new. Once you get on the Camino, then things that happened in your life, you think about them, you, you're walking down the road and you see something, that, it sparks a memory and you think, well, how did I get here? Or why did that happen? Or Yeah, you do a lot of soul searching. That's this week's guest, Jonathan Fletcher, and we'll get to Jonathan in just a moment. But first, it's a very long day here in Sydney. We are in lockdown. COVID and the Delta strain in particular is on the loose and everybody's locked up. Only essential workers are entitled to leave the house. It's like Groundhog Day. (laughs) You quickly forget how much you miss the simple things in life, the simple pleasures, the company of others, socialising, family, friends getting dressed up. (laughs) I miss gigs and the chance to perform. And I think we all realise eventually how much we miss those things we once took for granted. Well, I won't be taking them for granted again. If you're new to the podcast, this is a weekly discussion about El Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James. James was one of Christ's apostles, often referred to as James the Stronger. His remains are interred in a magnificent cathedral in the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela. Each year, hundreds of thousands of people walk a pilgrimage in his honour, the Way of St. James. I've walked it twice, and I've said here many times, it changed my life. I would probably concede I didn't know my life needed changing. But that was one of the great surprises the Camino presented to me, among many. The opportunity to change the opportunity to grow, the chance to heal, to love. From time to time, we're presented with opportunities and we ought to take them, take the chance, take the opportunity. I read once on a sign in a shop near the beach, you change your life by changing your heart. The Camino is a very, very good place to start. I'm not a big social media person. Someone asked me this week if I was on Instagram and I said, I don't know. Everybody laughed, but I do put each episode of the podcast on Facebook to provide a place for my listeners to find it. A page appeared on my feed a few weeks back, My Camino and Other Adventures. There were pictures so familiar to me and to you. The lone house on the hill near the vineyards leading into Via Franco del Biezo or St. James atop the hill at San Roque, Mont de Gozo, Cruz de Ferro, the streets of Leon. And a picture, a stunning photograph, a lone sunflower in an entirely brown landscape. The page is the story of Jonathan Fletcher, a British pilgrim. And this is not an easy story to tell. I think you'll agree by the time you've got to the end of this week's podcast that this is a very difficult story. But I think it's worth telling. And you'll agree, Jonathan's had his fair share of hard knocks. But he's come out the other side, and I think it's worth telling this story. I began by asking about the photograph and how the Camino came into Jonathan's life. That was just outside of Castro Jerez. Um, And I thought, wow, what a a great photograph Mm. opportunity. It's magic. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. A bit of a defining moment, I must admit. But yeah. Um, how I discovered the Camino, first of all, was um, uh, about two years ago, just before I was, I, I was going through this sort of period where I need to do something. Um, there was a TV program in the UK 
where the, um, there were several people vying for some money to um, to open a restaurant um, in around the sort of Liverpool area. And these guys had, had walked the Camino, um, and they based their their business idea on different food found on the Camino. That was, the, and they had a oh. really good story behind it. Right. So that was a, and they actually won the competition, and they actually opened a, a, a restaurant in Liverpool called Pilgrim, uh, which I believe has been quite successful. Hmm. So that was the first time I'd actually heard about it. I'd, I'd never heard about it before. Uh, then. There was another uh, sort of TV documentary in the UK about six or seven different uh, celebrities who were walking the Camino. Um, there were three parts to it, and they would all tell their stories. They'd all had different backstories, and, and it was very interesting. And that was a bit of a calling then. I thought, well, this, there's been two programmes in a very short space of time about this Camino de Santiago. There's, there must be something in this. So, so I did a bit more um, looking around, a uh, bit more reading about it. Mm. And then uh, I saw somebody said, oh, yeah, I've, I've heard of this. I've, have you ever seen the film The Way? So, again, I sat down and I watched The Way, and then I was sort of instantly instantly hooked. I booked myself into the local gym because I was quite unfit at the time, and then I booked a, a plane ticket for a, for a month later. And that was it, really. Was this something that you would have ever considered doing in the past? I mean, what was it about the Camino's calling that prompted you to say, I'm going to do it? I, I don't really know. I, at yeah, the time, I don't really know what, 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 what sort of, why I wanted to do it. But there was a bit of a calling there. Mm. Um, it was partly fitness. I wanted to get fit. I'm not a religious person, so there was no sort of religious undertones or anything there. Um, and I wouldn't class myself, well, beforehand, I wouldn't class myself as a spiritual sort of person. But I do think that um, walking the Camino does definitely change you and sort of makes you a bit more spiritual, I must admit. You were, as you say, a, 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 a kind of guy that wouldn't necessarily lend himself to that um, kind of experience. What did you think then when you stepped foot on the Camino? What, what did you experience? I think the main part of it is the is being able to talk to people um, very openly without any sort of judgment. That was one of the, the, the first things I noticed straight away. My parents divorced when I was very young, sort of around about 12 years old. And um, I've got two brothers and sisters who are much older than me. And I was the youngest. And I sort of always looked up to them, brother and sister, all sort of when I threw them a younger hood. But I didn't realise, but they <laughs> they didn't like me very much. So I find it very difficult to make friends and connections with people I have done all through my life. I find it very difficult to talk to people. This is a bit of, to be honest, this is a bit of therapy for me. I don't usually sort of open up and talk to people very much and and tell them everything, mainly because I don't think anybody or anybody of my friends are going to hear this. So I can probably say what I like without any comeback from it, which is is great. Well, that that in itself is an incredible story to me. 
We and we might investigate that a little bit further, but but go on. Yeah, I mean, you can. I, I, the great thing about the Camino is you're not judged. Yeah. You can walk. You can talk to anybody. You can tell them your story, and you hear some pretty amazing stories on the Camino of why people are there. Uh, their backgrounds. It could be that they've lost somebody recently. They could be doing for fitness. Maybe it's been a divorce, been in a bad relationship, etc. But uh, when I first started out, um, I, I was pretty underwhelmed by my own story, why I wanted to do it. And I thought it was amazing how you'd meet all these other people and what um, people and what they were doing it. But I guess I've, I've my build-up to the Camino has probably been for a good 40-odd years since my parents divorced. And, um. I needed it really just to get my own thoughts straight, I should imagine, and, and think about what's happened to me over the years. I mean, we we live very busy lives. Um, we're at work three quarters of our life. We sleep three, uh, I mean, a third of our life. Uh, and then we're at home for a third of our lives, busy doing things with, a, with your family um, and your wife. So you don't get time to sit down and, sort of um, go over your own thoughts, do you? Whereas the Camino, you, you've got that time to sort of process everything and think about things that have happened in your life, I think. It's, it's, it's great. Are your parents still alive? No. Um, I lost my father seven years ago. He 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 was very, quite a, well, I say he was quite fit. He's a long-distance lorry driver all his life, Um and funny enough, when I was a, when I was a teenager, when I was a kid, all I wanted to be was like, like my father. And I, when I left school, I wanted to be a long distance lorry driver. Lorry driver, but it never happened. Um, like I say, I, I I've been in an office environment really ever since I left school. Mm. But my father became ill probably about eight years ago. Um, he got this, this pain in, in his shoulder. Well, he didn't know what it was, but it it went on and it went on for quite a while. Um, had various tests, and it turned out that he'd got stage four mesothelioma, mm. um, which is cancer that caused by um, uh, asbestos. Yeah, but he didn't know really where where he could have got it from, being a large driver of his life. But there there are companies um, that sort of investigate investigate this um, because I think that when you're exposed with um, in the UK, when you're exposed to asbestos, you, you are liable, you are able to claim compensation uh, through like a government um, organisation. And so he had a chat with a, this company and they sort of went back through the years of different places he'd worked. Uh, and they sort of thought it could more than likely have been when he was um, in his late teens, um, he'd worked as a labourer for Hinkley Point Power Station in the UK. No. Um, and there they used quite a lot of um, asbestos insulating all the pipework. And he was general labour and he was shoveling all this dust and muck up. How and, amazing. And putting it into a wheelbarrow. Yeah. But so they're pretty sure that it, they traced it all the way back to that. So Do yeah, you he are. died of that. So that was about like seven years ago. Seven years ago. What about mum? Uh, well, funny enough, she, she'd had a little bit of stomach cancer probably about 10 years ago, but that was all sorted and she was fine. 
it operated and it was benign. So that, that wasn't a problem. But then about three days before I was to set off for my Camino, I'd got a, I got a phone call from her and said, oh, um, my cancer's back. This is three days before I was going to go. So it was a bit of a shock. We went over to see her and had a chat about it. And she knew then that it was terminal. Um, they said it was in her bones. She didn't know where it had come from or how she'd got it. But at the time, she was okay. I mean, she'd got a little bit of pain, but nothing nothing out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if, if I'd known it was going to be quite serious, I probably wouldn't have gone. But at the time, she looked fine. She was mobile. It wasn't an issue. So along the Camino, was, uh, every other day or every couple of days, I'd send her a postcard of where I was. I took the picture on it. There's a great little app on your phone where you can take a picture of where you are. Mm. Um, and you can turn it into a postcard and you can send it to somebody. So I was, I was doing that along the way. But then um, I finished the Camino, I'd got back, and then I got a phone call a week later and she was in hospital. And she'd had some sort of, well, she thought she'd had some sort of allergic reaction to something. So, yeah, we were then in hospital. They didn't think it was the cancer at the time, but it was. Um, and then within a month, she she passed away, unfortunately. But we were in and out of the hospital every day. So yeah, I was I was with her, which which was one of the main things. I was with her very much up until the, about two days before the end. But then, due to family circumstances, I've mentioned my brother and my sister hadn't I before, mm, mm. Um, and how my brother, my sisters, my brothers had always been very jealous of me, and my sister sort of got involved right one day before my mother died, and she sort of camped in the hospital by her bedside and wouldn't let anybody else go in to see her. And so it made it very, very difficult right at the very end for me to visit. So I sort of disappeared for a day. I'm originally from a place called Somerset in the UK, so I drove down to Somerset to clear my head. And unfortunately, when I was down there, she, um, yeah, she passed. So I did get to say my goodbyes, but it, it, was, it was awkward because of my sister's involvement. I just wonder why sometimes families make things so complicated. I really don't know. My, my sister has suffered in the past a little bit with her, with her mental health. Um, when my parents first divorced, she actually tried to commit suicide. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah, so it's, it's, I've got a bit of a funny <laughs> my backstory. Yeah, it's, it's, it's complicated. Um, my brother sort of ripped my foot, my, and then my mother remarried, married a guy called George. My st- he was my stepfather. Um, and my my sister's a funny person. She t- she she either likes you or she instantly dislikes everybody. Um, and she instantly disliked my stepfather. Um, I don't know why. He was very good to all of us. And she disowned my mother because of her because of her remarrying. Um, so yeah, my sister's a bit of a strange one. So that whole environment is your reality, isn't it? It's not something you can choose to ignore from week to week. You can't just say, I'm not going to think about it this week. I'm not going to worry about it. It's part of your every breath and your yeah. every moment, isn't it? It is, yeah. My, that fam- my family hasn't been exactly easy. And in the end, my brother as well, he's always been very jealous. Um, and a couple of days before my mother, well, again, um, he, 
I spoke to my mother in a hospital. She'd spoken to my brother, and he had told her um, that he was working abroad and he couldn't get to go and see her. Um, and so that month leading up to her death, he was nowhere, nowhere to be seen. And then I saw him two days before um, mother had passed away. He'd actually made an effort and come to see her. But again, he 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 likes to um, he likes to tell stories. You can never believe what he tells you. I'd always looked at some brother and always had done, but over time you realise he's a he's a bit of a liar. Um, but he'd tell you stories, and he'd deliberately tell you something to try and make you upset. And he sort of told me near the end that my mother hated me and. Oh, he no. made up. He's a bit of a fantasist, and he made up stories that he thinks that my mother, when she was younger, had had an affair, and he was the he was the outcome of this affair. And he clearly wasn't, but because um, he looked so much alike <laughs> and looked so much like my father, so yeah, he, he made very, he made it very very difficult for me right at the end um, as well. And I made the very difficult decision not to attend my mother's funeral because if I'd have gone there and had to face my brother, who had just been really, really quite um, quite nasty and made up lots of stories two days before her death, and then had to face my sister, who had made life very, very difficult to me to visit her, um, my mother before she died, then I, I, I would probably have done something at the funeral I would have regretted. So I... I took myself out of the equation, I think. It was the right thing to do for me, mentally, I think. Mm. But my sister as well, her, I mean, her, she's had a bit, of, a bit of a rough ride, I must admit. Her, her husband died um, probably about four or five years ago from cancer. But, and, but she, because of her, well, I don't know, her jealousy towards me, she banned me from, from his funeral, um, yeah, it's 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 a very strange, very strange setup. Very strange. It's heartbreaking to hear someone talk about that kind of hardship in their life, and I'm talking to you. I suppose, especially when that someone was open to the realization by watching a movie like The Way that they needed some form of enlightenment. Yeah, I mean, that, at the time, it was. The Enlightenment, then, or the the, the the my story was about changing the business. I, I'd got bored with the business and I wanted to do something different. So my, that the Camino Santiago was my way of trying to figure out how to do something a little bit new, mm. um, business-wise. Really, that that was the first and foremost reason for doing it. It wasn't really for figuring out all my life experience to do with my family and things like that. But once you get on the Camino then things that happened in your life, you think about them. You, you're walking down the road and you see something, that it, it sparks a memory and you think, well, how did I get here? Or why did that happen? Or why is she like that? It's, yeah, yeah, you do a lot of soul searching. Well, did you find the answers? <laughs> Not really, no, no. Well, I came back with all the, after I finished the community, I got back with a lot of energy to do something different. Mm. Um, and I was energised. That was the one good thing I felt about doing the Camino. But then, like I say, after, a month afterwards, my mother died, and all the enthusiasm and the, and the energy went. So, yeah. Um, so I decided then 
then obviously six months later the the pandemic happened so any ideas that I, I was going to put in place or any uh, with the business sort of all fell through as well and I had the pandemic to, to deal with as well as well as my mother's death and the mother's my mother's estate which still two years later hasn't been sorted so that's the else I've got hanging over me but then there was a I had a window of opportunity last year when the lockdown finished that I could I could walk the Camino again. So I thought, I'll walk it again, actually, um, for my mother. Um, that was the reason I did it last year. But it was, a, it was a different beast last year because of the Camino. It was a lot quieter. Um, it was a lot more difficult. I did it at a different time of the year. It was so hot walking. <laughs> I walked before in April, April to May, and the, the walking distance were perfect. But I, I walked it again in August and it was a completely different beast it was so warm and so hot you couldn't escape the sun so mm. I didn't enjoy it as much as, as as previous year and I said at the beginning of uh, when I finished I wasn't going to do it again but um the last month or so I've sort of changed my mind and I've been out and bought some walking boots at the weekend <laughs> you might walk again well yeah um <laughs> I think in about a month's time, probably September, I've sort of got it in my mind that I think I might just bite the bullet and and walk it again. The Camino is famous for the spiritual aspect of the journey and pilgrims talk about the wonderful things that happen to them and, of course, the Camino provides in finding time and space to be themselves. What did you, a bloke from the United Kingdom, the stiff upper lip and all of that, the son of a lorry driver, what, what was your experience? What did you make of that expectation well i didn't know what to expect that was the thing and i thought i'd have walking the community i thought you'd have that light bulb moment where everything would come together um and you'd get your answers that were you looking for when you were there but you don't (laughs) i think you, you the answers come six months later now you're home and you're able to reflect and look back how do you sum it all up? At the end, I've sort of realised that you need to maybe cut people. I know it's not the right thing to do, but cut people off that aren't aren't healthy for your mental health. So I've, I've sort of made a decision now that I'm no longer going to. I've lost both my parents. I'm a stepfather, um, and my brother and my sister aren't good for my mental health. So I've I've come to a decision now where. I just don't really want anything more to do with them. Um, mm. Quite sad, really, because my sister's got uh, a couple of children. I've never met my, my brother's children, actually. Um, but yeah, well, I'm particularly—I was particularly close to one of my sister's sons. Um, but again, I—I I, I feel that if if he's part of that whole situation with my sister, it's just something for her to that sparks her off. I mean, she's, she sends me nasty messages through, through sort of Facebook. I've had to block her on Facebook and through messenger and things like that, because she's quite abusive. Um, and, and if unfortunately for her first sons in the, in the, in the picture, um, then it's just another thing, like I say, for her to be jealous about i think mm, i think mm. he gets jealous with my relationship with with her son so i mm. i haven't spoken to him for over a year um i actually had to 
I reported her to the police about a year ago because of her her behaviour. Mm. Um, because it wasn't doing my mental health. It, I, 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 over the years, I, I, you're quite resi- resilient when you're young. I mean, when my parents divorced when I was 12, I took it on the chin. It wasn't a problem. But I think the older you get, the more you think about things like that and then the more it plays on your mind. Mm. Um, and yeah, 12 years ago, I, I was diagnosed with depression. Um, it was when I left my, the company, actually, where I was working at. I wasn't very happy. I didn't know why I was happy. Um, I think when you're unhappy, you're, you're looking for things to, to blame it on. Um, and I thought at the time it, it, it was the working environment. So that was one of the reasons why I, I left. Uh, but I was still unhappy when I left. I then thought, well, is it is it the person I'm with? Is that got anything to do with it? And I was seriously considering um, leaving my partner, who I'd been with for uh, a good twenty years. Um, but I, I think people don't realise that when they're unhappy, or when they're depressed, you're unhappy. But you're unhappy, and there isn't a reason behind it. Um, you're just unhappy, but you, you look for reasons for being unhappy. Jonathan, I don't understand that. How, how do you make sense of that? I, I have to say I don't feel like that. I, I don't understand what it would feel like because it's an illness, so it's no different than having high blood pressure or, or gout. You might think there's all these external pressures fueling that condition. How does the Camino impact coming out of that? Yeah, well, when I didn't realise at the time, but obviously I did have depression and I was very unhappy. But you don't realise at the time that it's depression. You're you're unhappy, but you're looking for a reason for that unhappiness, and you don't realise that there are no reasons at at that particular time um, that were making you happy. It's just a it's it's because you're depressed. Uh, You have actually got yeah. So 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 it's no different from high blood pressure. Or 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 gout or, or I guess not. No, it's an no, ailment. It, it right? is. And I, it's an yeah. illness. Yeah. And so you just feel it. You just are living with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now you might think that there's all these external pressures making or, or fueling that condition. Okay. But for someone like you. Uh, what does the Camino, or how does the Camino factor or, or impact, you know, that coming out of that? I it's think it's being able to open up. Like um, I mentioned previous, I, I, through my life, because of the, 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 my complicated family, I, I do find it very difficult to, to build relationships and bonds with people. Uh, I find it very difficult to open up and talk to people. I don't even talk to my wife about problems when I, sh- I should do, really. Um, she comes home from work extremely stressed. She's got enough in her mind. She's got enough problems in her life without having to listen to me rattle on saying I'm, I'm feeling a bit unhappy today. But um, But with the Camino, you can talk to anybody about anything. You're not judged. You can open up. And it is. It is. It's therapy. I mean, mm. Just being able to talk to different people and share experiences, I think, yeah. Like talking to you now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So take us back to the Camino de Santiago and 
And here you are, you find yourself on this <laughs> most unexpected journey in many ways. How did it affect you? It's strange. I don't know really how to ex- explain how it affects affects you. Um, what did it mean to you? I've not. I've, I can't say that I've really sat down and, and thought about it that that deeply about what it actually meant to me. But it's it's like life. It's a journey, isn't it? I guess mm. if you sit down and think about it. Mm. Mm. Um, the Camino is 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 a journey, just like life. Yeah, yeah. But tell us your story, because it's an amazing story. Tell us the journey of your Camino. Well, one of the main things that happened while I was on the Camino, um, as, as a bit of a as, as a bit of a side to it, fifteen years ago, I'd, I'd I'd sort of seriously injured my knee. I think I started talking about this, and for fifteen years, I've been struggling with a with a bad with a bad knee. Um, it would flare up every couple of months and I'd, I'd be agony, complete agony for a month. It stopped me from doing anything really. I was always quite a, a physical person and, and, but this just, just stopped me in my tracks really. Um, I could cycle, um, but I couldn't run long walks. I'd be in agony, but I, I walked the Camino and, at the end of it, I'd meant to be going for an operation as well, just before, about six months before the Camino, and because they originally they found out there was a problem with it, and I was going to be operated on, but the, the consultant dropped dead um, two weeks before I was due to, <laughs> to have this operation. Yeah, Gosh. I'd waited like I'd waited about ten, fifteen years to have. Uh, finally, they found out what it was, and I got the operation all lined up. Um, and the guy who was going to operate, yeah, unfortunately died. Um, and because I was self-employed at the time, there's only a certain window of opportunity in the year that I could have this operation because the work I was doing was seasonal. So I was busy, say, from March to October, but in the winter period I was quiet. So ideally, if I was going to have this operation, it would need to be done um, early in the winter so I've got time to for it to heal so I can get back on my feet again. So, yeah, I had to shelve the whole the whole operation, and I decided, well, uh, I can't let this knee define me. Um, so while I was on the Camino, I, I, I strapped it up every day. Um, I would take painkillers. At the end of the day, I'd, I'd put gel into it, and it, it would flare up some days. Other days, it wouldn't flare up. But I was sort of in in pain a lot of the time at the Camino. But then um, I finished the Camino and the pain had gone. Um, (laughs) 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 It was very strange. It was probably, I'd like to, a lot of people say it's a miracle. I mean, it could be a miracle. Yeah. Um, It could be that I'd never had proper physio on the knee and the Camino was the physio I needed. Um, yeah, it was, it's a strange, that was one of the most strange outcomes from the Camino was, uh, and I've never suffered from a knee since, since I've been back. That's so great. Tell us about walking into Santiago de Compostela. 
yeah, funny enough, there's another bit of a, a story there regarding mm. um, regarding f- people I'd met along the way. Yeah. Um, on the second day, just outs- in between Ronsavaris and Zabiri, um, you walk along a track and you get to a bend on a main road and just up on that bend on the main road, there's a little blue van parked in a lay-by selling beers and sandwiches and all that type of thing. So um, I sat down there and um, I got chatting. There was a couple of guys there. There was a, a Swedish guy called Chris or Christian and there was an American chap. His name was Chris as well. Um, part Polish um, uh, his heritage. Uh, Chris Christian went on. He walked, walked on ahead but I got chatting to Chris and we started walking together. Um we walked down into the next, I think it was La Rosonia, and we got booked into uh, an alberg there. Um, the Christian was there. So um, they, we sort of ended up, that sort of being my bit of a Camino, that was the start to my Camino family. There was Chris and Christian. Um, Christian was was quite driven. He'd, he'd flown over to the States, his wife, um, his wife was staying in Paris, so he. I think he had a bit of a. He, he had a bit of a schedule he had to work to because he yeah. wanted to get back to Paris to be with his wife. Oh yeah. And funny enough, um, I think it was the 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 day after we started walking was the day that the um, Notre Dame had, had caught fire as well. So oh. that was on his mind. Yeah, that was a. So that was going on. And so Chris oh. was quite driven. He he was driving us, um, and pushing us. But, um, so, because he was on a schedule and he wanted to do quite long days and he wanted to get back and, and meet his wife. But anyway, me and Christian, the Swedish guy, we sort of, um, we sort of bonded uh, quite a lot and we we had a, quite a lot of banter and we became really, really quite good friends on the Camino. Um, but as you know, on the Camino, you, you walk in with these people all day long mm. You're, you're sleeping with these people. You're mm. with them 24 hours. You spend more time with these people than you do your family. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then after a while, um, it, you're tired. Um, and they're really nice people, but you, you find that the littlest things start to annoy you um, for no reason. Um, and Chris, it wasn't his fault. I was tired. I got a few other few things going on, but he started to annoy me for no reason, just stupid little things. And we got to Chris had gone ahead. He 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 was holding. We were holding him up, so he decided he he was going to carry on. So me and Christian got to Leon, um, and I basically needed um, I needed a bit of a break for my own sort of thoughts to get. Um, yeah, sure. Took, I said to Christian that I, I needed a bit of time to, to, to myself. So Christian, I think he'd got a bit upset by it. Um, it wasn't his fault. It was probably my fault. I was tired. And he, I said I, need, I needed a, a bit of time to myself. So he he carried on from Leon. I had an extra day in Leon. So, um, yeah, that wasn't very a nice experience that I found on the Camino. You've... <sighs> I because I upset this guy and I didn't I didn't mean to. Mm. Um, so he was he'd carried on and gone ahead. Um, 
and there was another guy I'd been walking with. There's quite a few different people here and there that would or you'd keep passing and you'd meet up with. And I've met another guy. There was a guy called um, I can't remember his name now. It was a Scottish guy. Um, <laughs> he was walking in a kilt. <laughs> All right. And he was going to get yeah, he was going to get a lot of attention in his kill. But I sort of ended up walking with him then. Um for quite a few days. What did you make of the experience in terms of what you learned about yourself? Yeah. I was going to try and come to about like I said of Christian, um I missed him after he'd gone. Um and then I was walking with this other guy. Um, the Scottish chap, and then two days before he went, he was in a rush and he wanted to get back, so he went on a day before me, um, and then he was sending me messages and he'd met up with Christian, mm. um, and so they were both walking into Santiago together, and I thought, oh God, I, I really miss these guys. They were sort of a half a day ahead of me in the end and I was I was 44 kilometers away from Santiago and I thought I want to I want to go and meet these guys in Santiago so I decided there and then that I was going to walk to Santiago 44k on my last day just so I could meet up meet back up with the guys yeah right um and I sort of discovered then when I'd been working in the uh in the quite toxic environment um, the sales environment, which I'd, I'd left about eight years ago, I, I, I didn't like people very much, um, I discovered. Well, I thought I didn't like people very much. That coupled with my family and my brothers and sisters, how they weren't very nice. So I thought I thought it was me. I thought there was a problem with me. I thought I, I, maybe that I, I'm the problem. It was It's not them. But you, you meet people along the way and, and you realise... It's not you. Um, it is these other people in your life that have caused you unhappiness. Good for you. Yeah. And at the end of it, I like people again. <laughs> and I wanted to get back into a work environment, working with people. Mm. That's what I sort of I sort of got to the conclusion, I think, at the end, that I do like people. Mm. And I'd quite like to get, get back into a job where I'm working with people again. Um, but then the pandemic hit. And so that sort of... Mm. But the skids on that, really. Yeah, yeah but being able to do that. What a wonderful realization for you, Jonathan. It's not mm, me. Yeah, it's not me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I'm still at that crossroads now. Yeah. Um, just trying to figure, trying to figure out. I'm, I'm trying to get a new business off the ground at the moment. Um, but I, um, I, I think I'm gonna have to get myself a little part-time job, really, just so I can be around people. Because I'm feeling, we recently moved house as well, um, so I'm feeling quite isolated. Mm. Uh, we moved to a new village. We don't really know very many people. We've been in lockdowns. So we've not been able to mix with new people. Obviously, both my parents have, have died, but my wife's parents live very nearby. They're both alive, so we get, we get to see them. But mm. um, personally, I'm I, I'm feeling isolated. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the whole. The whole world is feeling isolated at the moment, but we're all a bit unsure about what's in the future. But having an opportunity like you have to find your feet, it's just such the most wonderful thing. Just one last question. How do you explain the Camino to 
people who ask about it? it like I said, it is a journey, um, physically and mentally, definitely. Uh, I, I, we met somebody on the uh, on the the first Camino. I think it was a Los Arcos, and he bought the Camino seven times, and he explained how. The, it's broken down into sort of three stages. Mm. The, the, sort of the mm. first part of the Camino is your um, is your is the physical side of yourself finding out what you're capable of doing. Then when you get to the Meseta, the Meseta is the uh, is the mental part. It, it tests your mental strength a little bit because you're walking in mm. a straight line. Yeah, <laughs> you can see what's coming from. You can see ahead for like five miles, and it's a straight line, and it, it is mentally challenging. Um, looking to see how far you need to go, and how long it takes you to get there. And then the the third part is is a spiritual part where you sort of got over the physical side and the mental side, and it, it's the last part is is easier, and you're walking through beautiful landscapes. Um, and I think that sums up the Camino very, very, very well, actually. It's, um, yeah, definitely. How does it manifest itself in your day-to-day life back home right now? There's not a day goes by that you don't think about it. It's, um, it gets right under your skin, the Camino. My stepson is actually walking the Camino as we speak. Mm. He, um... He he was sort of a little bit inspired, I think, by what I what I did, and so I'm sort of watching what he's doing on the Camino, and, and I think, God, I want to get back out of there. And then I met another friend last year called Paddy, and he's on the Camino at the moment <laughs> as well. Um, and then I joined the uh, the Camino page a couple of weeks ago. I, I took myself off the page. Um, about six months ago after I got back. But then a few weeks ago, before I even knew my stepson was going on there and, and even knew um, my friend was, go- was going back on the Camino, I joined back on the page to see what was going on. It was a, Again, it was a bit of a, a calling for me, I think, to see what was going on there. And I was, thought I was ready to ready to take another challenge. And I, when I get a difficult time, um, I think... I don't know. It's an excuse. I don't know whether it's an excuse to walk the Camino. Mm. When you get to a difficult point in your life and you've got some decisions to make, it's, um, I've got a bit of a calling at the moment that I need to, to get back on there again. I've got some things I need to sort out. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> well, but it's, it's an interesting, isn't it, that it's provided you the perspective that you now know there, there, it, gives, it gives me the focus. Yeah, there's somewhere I can go to try and sort it out, yeah. Yeah, and at the moment, I'm milling around at home. I'm, I'm waiting for a new website to be built. I'm, I'm relying on other people um, to help me to get the business underway, whereas the Camino, you're not relying on anybody else. You're relying on yourself. You've got nothing. All you need to do all day long is you wake up, you walk, you eat, you sleep, <laughs> and you. It's it's it gives you a bit of a purpose, and it gives you a bit of directions and focus, which is great. Which is what I need at the moment because I'm I'm climbing the walls 
uh, at present. So yeah, I need to I need to get my walking shoes on. Well, congratulations on this journey that you've had the courage to undertake. Thank you for your honesty and sharing your story, which, as I said at the start, is a difficult story. But I'm really pleased you've taken the chance to tell it. And I'm pleased we've been able to provide some form of therapy. Thanks, Jonathan. It's been a pleasure talking to you. The Camino provides, doesn't it? Buen Camino. Thanks, Dan. Ben Quirino. Thanks, Dan. My guest this week was Jonathan Fletcher. You can follow his journey too. Look him up on Facebook, My Camino and Other Adventures. We can all learn and grow, even in the hardest times. Just like that lone sunflower in the barren field. You change your life by changing your heart. Thanks for your company this week and every week. Until next week, (laughs) I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. (laughs) 